Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, our number two is here. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network with Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow is back tomorrow off of Mr. Mom Duty. Uh, he will be back in the rotation tomorrow on the show, the entire crew here. Sixth and Peabody with Yaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Had a great concert series here at their outdoor stage in their beer garden last night. Uh, a couple of other big events coming up, including Crawfish Boil, which is this Saturday, and then June 2nd, which is a Thursday, is National Moonshine Day. So they'll have Shine Day here on the uh, campus at 6 and Peabody. We'll be hopefully broadcasting outside that day, weather permitting. Uh, we'll be outside in the beer garden uh, this Friday as well for what will be a fun show. Um, not a fun time if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. In fact, other than 2017, uh, I'm not really sure over the last 15 or 20 years what you would point to as great moments. Um, the Urban Meyer situation was a catastrophe where he's out as soon as it got started as their head coach, and all of the, the notes that have been out, Paul, over the last month, several months uh, regarding his departure and, and how he either treated people behind the scenes or how he acted in public, those are well known, including now Josh Lambeau, who's the kicker in training camp last year with Jacksonville, veteran kicker who was horrible during the preseason. I mean, it just you can look at his stats and see that. And uh, he claims that during the stretch period before a training camp practice that Urban Meyer came up to him while he's lunging. He's uh, stretching while he's, he's lunged with his left leg forward and his right leg back, which is a typical stretching position, that Urban Meyer comes up and kicks him. And he said it's, it's not a 10 out of a 10 kick, but it's a kick that he, he says was like a 5 out of a 10 is how he would measure it. And some F-bombs were exchanged. Make your bleeping kicks. Kicker. Yeah, make your bleeping kicks. And he said, don't you bleeping kick me. Which, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine what this must have been like. The media would have been present for this, no? Yes, I mean, but you're not. I mean, I watch a Titan stretch. I'm not in range of Rabel talking to whoever he's walking by. Oh, but by if F-bombs are being dropped and yelled, I mean, that's you would see a commotion going on. There'd be something going on. If a kicker is getting into it with a coach, which is very rare, I've never seen that. You see players yell. I mean, we've seen Lawan locally get into it with the offensive line coach. Before. You could see it, but it's possible that it could go undetected if it blew over relatively also, quickly. Also incredible that it didn't get out until well into the season or, or in, what, December? Was this November or December after he was let go? Or is that week he was let go? So it was November. So he's saying, you know, Probably saying he got cut because of this. Um, He's saying that it led to his mental stability 
emotional uh, distress and how he was uh, and, let go uh, and that's why he's suing the team yeah <laughs> which and is he bizarre t- he took it up the ladder to, supposedly too and the but jags the-, the jags say that they they they've said this in previous exchanges about this story they say that they reached out to him willing to meet with him privately about it and that nothing came about them actually getting behind closed doors together and uh, from what I've read, they'll probably come back to this lawsuit and say that the 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 way for him to address this is through the players' association. That that the natural course of events for him, uh, he, he also cited a whistleblower kind of deal, like he, yeah, you know. But that they'll say that the the relief for that is through the NFLPA and a grievance. And so this will probably drag on as as most things do um you know the emotional element of it sounds makes it sound i, I know that's going to get made fun of and I, you know it doesn't sound like the big part of it to me but did did it affect his job um security i, I wouldn't doubt that it would when you get into it with your boss and if your boss as a football coach is the guy who started it i think you might have some kind of uh, argument. Well, I, I, I mean, the argument I would say uh, against this would be that incident was after you were already missing kicks. Yeah, you were already close to the cut line, as it were. So, I mean, that it would come down to that too. Which Urban would say is why I did that. If he did that, but he right. denies doing that. Um, so then you need witnesses or around that. Who's around that? The punter and the long snapper would have been around that because those three guys generally are. A move as a triangle, even during stretch, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he says he was verb. He verbally reported the incident to his agent, who communicated the complaint to the team. Proper. Um, and the Jags will argue the CBA provides the exclusive avenue for Lambeau's claims uh, with with all this, as Paul just pointed out. Um, you know, you, he has to file against the court. Uh, it, he has to compel. They, they would have to compel Lambeau to pursue the grievance underneath the labor deal that's in place, right? Yeah. And he was due a base salary of $3.5 million, which he's trying to recoup. recoup. That's what it's about. This. But the whole mental distress, like getting yelled at and all this stuff, like that, that's football. That, that happens on a daily and hourly basis in football if you're out there. To guys who are making a lot moment more money than that and don't, don't have it in question, you know. Yeah. Or performing well. But he says that, you know, he kicked before preseason game in August um, saying, hey, blank, make your blanking kicks. And that Meyer, uh, he told Meyer not to do it again. And he allegedly responded by saying, uh, Meyer responded by saying, I'm the ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the blank I want. Now, Meyer has completely said that this, this account is false uh, with uh, the, the back and forth. Um, but who knows where this Meyer is. Meyer doesn't get any benefit of the doubt from Also, me. Um, all of these practices are filmed. Like, stretch, there, there's a period before the team stretch where they either go through a walkthrough of special teams or they come out and do um, individual work prior to the full team joining the field and stretching. Um and if this is prior to a preseason game, cameras are rolling for that too. There would be video evidence of the kick, would it not? Yes. I, I would think so. The odds that's not on film are low. 
Uh, to me, this is an easy issue. You just pull up the, the footage and see if he kicked him or not, and then from there, you've got the case. Yeah. It's either made or unmade. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know why they so try let's to, roll. Let's I, roll. I know. Let's I go. agree. Let's like, resolve I, something quickly. Yes. For make it simple in, instead of going down the path of all the uh, legalities of everything. I, I don't know. It's, to me, if there were video evidence of it, something's getting leaked on that. Uh, that sounds like a Jay Glazer kind of story. I but is agree. he is he tight with Urban? He could be tight with Lambo or someone with the league who would have access to that footage. I would think. Again, I just to me it sounds like a a cut and dry issue if it's on tape or if it's not because that would be on film. Uh, Paul, tell me what's going on <laughs> in the locker room of Lyon, uh, where. There is a, a player who was cut from their roster for farting in the locker room, for being way too gassy. And this well, is a legitimate, uh, a legitimate story uh, that's taking place in Europe. Now, this was back a while ago, um, and he was cut. This guy's name is Marcelo, right? And, and it, it, he was cut, uh, let go, but it hadn't come to light why. There, there were some rumblings about, you know, that he – uh, wasn't taking things seriously, et cetera, et cetera. But now it comes to light. Uh, I believe ESPN has sources saying that the guy was uh, farting and laughing at inappropriate times. I don't, I, this is just like so – You read was it and you're giving, like, there's no way. The there's captain no way. was giving halftime speeches during which this guy was farting and laughing. <laughs> So he now plays for Bordeaux. So he's the, he's the Bordeaux, class clown. Bordeaux is at the uh, – well, I mean, the Titans just drafted a guy who eats baked beans before <laughs> every game. And they could be faced with You're the right. same thing. And I what, believe McCreary, John Robinson, is that his name? Yeah, I, I believe John Robinson has said McCrary is welcome to eat whatever he likes, <laughs> provided it, it helps him play well. So um, – I think NFL locker rooms probably have lots of farting and laughing. I would think so. Um, I, I, I would think a, a locker room, any locker room, is going to have something like this. Yeah, but maybe not in the middle of like an important halftime <laughs> speech. But you know, or if guys say "cool it," you know, the coach says "cool it" several times, and you continue to to do it. At any rate, he fell out of favor. Uh, <laughs> he fell off the roster. I'm sure that meant he wasn't a, a prominent fixture for them. Um, now plays for Bordeaux, and Bordeaux apparently is fighting to stay uh, in the top division, not get relegated. All right, is he pulling this again? The I, don't, again? I don't know. We haven't heard anything about uh, what he's doing at Bordeaux. But we know Bordeaux, by its very name, is in uh, you know wine country, <laughs> where it probably <laughs> smells quite nice outside. And uh, is this guy fighting against that with his gas? I, I mean, this is just one of those... Marcelo was caught laughing during Captain uh, the, the Dubois. Is that his name? Sure. Uh, his speech to rally the troops following the game, where they lost three nil. Three nil. And it didn't go down well with the manager or the sporting club director. However, <laughs> however, according to ESPN sources, Marcelo was also disciplined by the club for repeatedly farting amongst his teammates in the dressing room and laughing in the presence of other leadership, he was considered one of the leaders of the team and had signed a new contract just a few months before well, the start of the season. My question is more about, like, his intestinal health. Like, if you're that gassy, are you, 
Are you then going out and, you know, running as much as you need to and playing as well as you can if now, you've got that much going? Do you need some Tums? Full disclosure, need some I, Pepto? I would be on the, on the side of cut that bleep out. Like, I, I wouldn't want that in the locker room. Con- like I, if it's a constant thing. I am, I am on the side of let's get to business. Take it to the restroom if you've got to do that. Like, that's, that's where I come in on it. I don't want to have to smell the brand of another uh, human being in the, uh, in the locker room or anywhere. And uh, especially if it's intentional, <laughs> the intentional aspect of this. And my guess is he's laughing because not only is, can you hear it, but you can also probably, Smell you can probably see the reaction of everyone around him. Um, it so while, distracting at while a I point. do agree that it's inappropriate behavior and I would not be on board with this, I would speak up on the, on the club's behalf as a player in the locker room. Um, you're also ha- not cutting him be, if he's your best guy. You're, exactly. You're looking for a reason to cut this guy, and they found it. But if he's considered a leader, <laughs> he's considered a leader, and then he gets gassy, and now he's no longer I, considered a leader. I know. Yeah, he's out. I mean, you could take some medicine for this. you got to take things more serious than, uh, you know, 3 nil defeat. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Being, <laughs> being a leader. Uh, Baker Mayfield thinks the Browns wanted him to look bad. I um, think they did, too. I, I agree with Baker on this. They left him in. And I remember this game. He is it was it was the the game, I believe the game was when they were officially knocked out of playoff contention. And the the week after this is whenever he officially uh, it was out that he was not going to play in week 18. He was going to go and have the shoulder surgery because they were eliminated. But this was the game against Pittsburgh where he was pummeled. And he's playing through since week 2 that shoulder. Everyone knows the story of Baker playing through the injury. Um they didn't have a backup option worthy of taking over for the injured and hobbled starter. And he says, look, they left me in there and I got crushed and they were calling plays, you know, I'm paraphrasing, to keep the ball or do certain things, uh, knowing that things were not going to set up in his favor and left him in to make him look bad as he's about to go into an offseason where he's not the future of the franchise, despite what they were saying. But they didn't know they that were setting at that him time. Up. Well, what was their alternative if they didn't get Deshaun Watson? They would they would have played him out, that, either right. that or they they they're so they the, didn't know they're either that or they they've drafted a QB right so they didn't necessarily benefit from him looking bad at that time. They, it would have been yeah. better I for mean, them if he looked good, make. and quite frankly, it would have yeah. looked better for them for him to look good even if they were getting Deshaun Watson because they would have been able to trade him more easily if he looked better. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I there's no real benefit I, to him looking bad. He took him to the playoffs the year before and won a game. Um, you know, they may have had issues with him not being quote unquote, the adult in the room though. They're disputing if that quote came from them and everything, but how mad at Baker Mayfield could they be? Well, behind the scenes, he played through an injury. He played. Yeah. He, all that. I mean, in reading the, uh, the riff behind the scenes with him in the locker room stemmed from the Odell Beckham jr. Release, you know, his uh, Odell's dad put out some things on Baker Making him uh, look bad. Jar- if, if it wasn't Jarvis Landry, it was another receiver that then doubled down on this postseason um, about some comments that Baker has said um, and, and how he reacted behind the scenes. I don't think he was viewed or portrayed very well in that locker room with the leadership qualities that I saw him play with on the field, if that makes sense. Yeah. He I was not the leader. Odell, it, it, based on accounts from... 
either on the record or off the record sources that that that's been written about over the last couple months. It sounds as though Odell Beckham Jr. had a strong voice in the locker room, and that when things went sour between he and Baker, players took sides, I, and a lot of a lot of the players sided with Odell Beckham Jr. even after he was let go. Well, that's that's on them. I mean, once he's let go, you got to reset. I think, um, especially but, when you're. But with I, all I that mean, going on, you know, the the he's saying that they, the writing was on the wall for him even. Towards the end of last year, things were getting hostile. It's unfortunate. I, I, I thought Stefanski was better than that in terms of being able to, you know, I think he's pretty good. I'm X's reading between and O's the lines coach. a bit on what I'm saying. I think he's a good X's and O's coach. I would have thought he's a better uh, people guy. And, yeah, I, and it, when you've got divisiveness about your quarterback, that, that's uh, a recipe for disaster. Well, now, I mean, they've sold their soul to Deshaun Watson's yeah. contract. You know, not the player, but the terms of the contract. Guaranteed, no trade clause, all of it. Uh, Deshaun Watson has the NBA treatment now, so Stefanski needs to make sure he's in good graces with the quarterback. Otherwise, he's out. GM, everyone. I mean, Watson's running the franchise now. Yeah, but I don't think that Deshaun Watson's going to be pissed if they're on good terms with their outgoing quarterback. Oh, no. <laughs> he's not going to be upset with anything. Do you see the deal? Yeah. <laughs> he has no reason to be upset. Um. My point is, if Baker's looking at it post-Odell and, and that whole thing, and he's saying that they, they, the team was making up their mind that they were going to be post-Baker Mayfield era as soon as the season was up, and they, on purpose, let him get pummeled in the, the Pittsburgh game. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know to the extent of uh, the evidence that he can show where you know, there's a play call that is designed one way and everyone goes the opposite way and he gets crushed. But I do remember the game where he took a beating, and he did throughout the uh, a vast majority of the season. But that particular game against the Steelers' defense, he was taking shot after shot. I don't have a problem with them not moving forward in a way where uh, let's take Deshaun Watson out of the equation. We were talking about it last year. Like, can you go forward with Baker Mayfield with the uh, franchise tag and as a long? Can you give him a long-term extension? I was on the no side. I think too many guys get the long-term extension when you look at. Carson Wentz, I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. People convince themselves those guys are long-term solutions when they're not, and then they pay the price for it. Um, you know, the Rams got lucky that they could wiggle out of, of, of Goff, and the Eagles got lucky that they could wiggle out of Wentz, quite frankly. But you, how many times do you get lucky? Um, so I think that they did the right thing there with Mayfield, but I think Mayfield has become a sympathetic character now. I think most people around the league, if you don't, if you're not a Steelers fan that hates him because it's a rival and all of that, I, he's a little brash for me, yes. But I think he's a sympathetic character now because he played through the injury, and while he didn't deserve a long-term contract, he doesn't deserve what he's getting now either, where I, he's stuck in limbo. And we can get into this later. If you're looking for the next version of what Tannehill did where he comes in and then midway through the season takes over and earns an extension on a contract for the new club. I don't know if you get a better shot at that than with Baker Mayfield right now. I would certainly go that way than I would with Jimmy Garoppolo. But he's coming of in. Of the two options. Uh, the, the Dolphins willingly paid uh, you know, all but $5 million of Tannehill's salary. Yeah, they paid salary. $7 million of his salary that yeah. year. They paid seven, and the Titans, I think, paid five, and he was only 12. So a couple of years later, inflation takes Mayfield to 18. 
and nobody and they don't look willing to pay. I don't know why. If they had to pay uh, 13 of it, they should be, but apparently they're not. Coming up, Dan Dockich will join us of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. We talked with Dan Dockich about Tom Brady joining Fox Sports and that big deal and his live reaction to it yesterday. Um, the Lambo lawsuit with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he is doubling down with we the lawsuit what, we on, know what Dan on Urban Meyer. I want to get his one. take on that. And then um, we, we hit a couple of other headlines with him as well, including the sad story with Adrian Payne from Michigan State. All that and more with Dan Dockett's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network with Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Withrow back with us tomorrow. We are joined by the always entertaining and energetic Dan Dockich from Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I heard this morning he's breaking equipment, ripping out his IFB, the earpiece there. Um, earlier this week, he's sending emails up the flagpole about his podcast channel where one Hubert Janus uh, sent him a, uh, a, a tweet. Um, he goes by Hugh, Hugh Janus. Um, that uh, he <laughs> he uh, he sent this to uh, uh, this complaint about his podcast up the up the chain, Paul. Uh, I, Dan, I heard, I heard you. It's all uh, over the company. I heard you realize the uh, the fake name well after uh, well after forwarding this message on <laughs> to our uh, superiors. Yeah, it went all the way up the chain. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? I mean, I did. I I. Somebody said, hey, can we, you know, get a podcast? And I'm like, I don't know nothing about it, so I'll send it to an email. And then I looked at the name, and it was like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, you dumbass, what are you doing? And so I sent an apology. At least it wasn't that bad. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, oh, as you gonna, guys they're know, gonna, but... Uh, once they get you going, now they're going to – you better watch every email oh, name that's coming your way. Dan Dockage with us on Outkick 3. So, so Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders only eats chicken. He's never tried a burger or a steak. He doesn't eat seafood. And he brings his own chicken tenders to team dinners. Do you trust this man? <laughs> no. No, I uh, know. You know what? One thing I've learned over the course of time is I want my quarterback to be guys, guys. Like I want them to be dudes like Peyton Manning used to basically rent out the slippery noodle here after games, rope it off and drink beers. And, you know, Tom Brady's going to all these different things. No, I don't. Hey, look, it didn't work with Marinovich. It's not going to work with Sam Howell. You imagine? I mean, you're that self-important, I guess, whatever, that I'm going to bring my own chicken nuggets to parties. Look, I get it. You're the star quarterback, so you're going to get invited to parties. But you ain't getting invited to my parties, pal. So, no, hell no, I'm not trusting that. No. 
Can we no. ju- let's just discuss for a moment how difficult it is. Like Tom Brady has never had coffee, and Paul or says, strawberry. or a strawberry. Paul says it, uh, that's that's realistic that you wouldn't try coffee. How difficult would it be into in any in any any era, any age of this globe? No burger. But today, not to have a steak at or any a, point, a cheeseburger at any point in your life to not have beef. That is extremely difficult. And this isn't a vegan type thing. He, he's like turned off by it. I mean, it's not even, like a, a even moral if you, stand. I would think even if I'm, let, let's just hypothetically, I grew up on a, on a farm here, so I'm certainly not vegan. Uh, I would be disowned. Um, but let, let's, let's hypothetically say I was raised vegan. The anti-establishment in me at age 16 or 17 is going to show up at McDonald's and try a cheeseburger. Uh, just to throw a middle finger in the air because I could at the time. Like that, as a kid, that would be difficult for me not to try. Yeah, I'm glad my parents weren't hippies and vegetarians <laughs> and all that crap. I was actually a, I was a vegan for one day. Benetti and I, Jason Benetti and I, were on a trip, and I'm like, I gotta lose weight. I'm becoming vegan. So I looked it up, and the night before the game, I'm like, Nah, you can't have that. I'm vegan. So the next day, I could have soup. I, I'm a, I, and we talked about it, and they made fun of me on the air. And this is a true story. I'm like, man, I can't keep being vegan because <laughs> there's no desserts. Swear to God, the head of the vegan association <laughs> found my email, sent me an email, and listed all these desserts that you could have. And I'm <laughs> I, the only thing I remember about being vegan for a day was that you could eat Taco Bell... Bean burrito, uh, bean burritos. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that sounds so good every day. But, hey, what are you going to do? I, I, Paul, you know me. I, and, 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 Dan, I don't know where you come down on that. If you told me, like, you're hunting, you can no longer have beef for the rest of your life, I could, I could do that. Like, if you give me fish and vegetables, I'm good. But there's no way that I'm not trying beef at some point in my life. And for him, that's, that's I mean – that ends soon for him. It's just also funny that this is now what the kid's known for. Like, uh, well, you know, know, Brady, you know, he gets a, I want to get to this Brady contract in a moment because your response yesterday uh, in live reaction was awesome, Dan. You know, Brady does the Subway commercials. He's not eating Subway, but he gets the commercial. Yeah. Can, can, can Sam Howe now get, you know, a nice steakhouse to endorse him? Well, that's not going to be the first place that no. endorses him if he's any good. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with hey. you. Hey. I'll tell I, look, here's the thing, like, and this isn't the thing. Everybody's got their own, their own opinion on things. And you know what, what you want to eat is what you want to eat. The coffee thing. I didn't drink coffee until I was probably 32 or 33. I never really liked, you know, I tried, I didn't like it. So I get some things I do. And I get a hey, look, if you, if you uh, want to go without meat, that's great. But there is, like you said earlier, there is no chance that at least the 16, 18, whatever the hell you're old in me isn't at least sneaking it or trying. I used to go to parties in high school. I didn't like beer. Hell, I went to Catholic school. We were, everybody had beer. I used to take a beer, open it up, dump half of it out, stand at the party so at least I looked cool, right? <laughs> dump a little more out, you know. You know, that was kind of, that was before schools got involved and you couldn't do that. But, hey, look, good for Sam Howell. Hope it works out for him. Hope he lives to be 127 years old. Good for, good for Tom Brady, too. 
10 years, $375 million, the reported contract uh, with Fox Sports. Your reaction was awesome yesterday. Did, did you see this? I did not. Uh, on Don't At Me, he's getting this in real time. And uh, he's, uh, I'll let Dan explain it, but he looks down and he goes, well, this guy doesn't want to hang out with his family. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I think. Hey, man. Hey, there's a saying in the world. You walk into a bar, you see a hot woman, you see a hot guy, there's always someone that's tired of you know what and uh, <laughs> that particular person. And I, <laughs> Hey, look, I, did, I said that before I realized it was $37 million freaking dollars a year. Like, hey, uh, I didn't know it was that because when they initially announced it, they just said, you know, he's going into broadcast. I'm like, damn, this dude retired for five minutes and he had to get out of the house. Uh, and now we got this. But, hey, look, I said this. And, and look, I don't want to – what's the right way to put it? I don't want to besmirch. You know, I want the media industry to learn from Brady and pay us all more, right? Yeah. Prop us all up. But, I, but in my lifetime, and I'm talking about big games now, there has never been a broadcaster that I said, hey, look, uh, name a, you know, name a game, whatever big game. I'm not talking about little game. I'm talking about a big game. I'm talking about, you know, Tampa Bay uh, against the Rams. Hell, you can put a bag of sand behind the mic and people are going to watch that. I love the fact that they're playing Brady. I love the fact that they're using him also as an ambassador because that dude, what he touches turns to gold. But I got to tell you, for a big game, I don't know one single announcer, maybe, maybe Howard Cosell, that I turned tuned into a big game to watch. Now, I like when Vitale used to do games, and if I was going to watch a game and Vitale was doing it, hey, man, that's great. Or Keith Jackson was doing a game, hey, man, that's great. But I didn't tune in. Well, you know, uh, I don't know, Michigan's playing Ohio State. Yeah, I don't care about them, but Keith Jackson's doing the game. I, I love the fact that they're paying, but fellas, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't. I'm watching, I'm watching the Bucks play the the Aaron Rodgers again. Like if a bag of sand was announcing the damn game, we'd all watch it. I like it, but I don't understand it. Yeah, but if you suck, you're crushed for it. You know, like and that goes the bag of hey, sand look, is is really bad, and and you you can't stand listening to them. Uh, chances are you're you're leading off don't at me with how bad the broadcast was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. See, see, it, the key to broadcasting is start out well. Like Tony Romo, everybody loved because he was predicting plays. But all my boys that are producers, directors, and dudes at ESPN are like, Dan, that dude doesn't do nothing no more. He don't predict a play no more. That dude is up. Not, he doesn't do nearly. But yet when you read about Tony Romo, he's the second highest paid guy. He's the greatest announcer because first impressions are the lasting. Yeah. I'm curious with Brady. Look, once you get in there, once you sit in that seat, people don't care who you used to be because about five years after you're done playing, People don't even hardly remember you. They remember the numbers. Oh, yeah, the name. But they don't care. First impressions, first couple games, right out of the gate. Do something different. Be energetic, whatever. And if he's not, I don't give a damn if his name's Tom Brady or Joey Bag of Donuts. People are going to crush him. He'll come out of the tunnel 
screaming and sprinting just like uh, he did prior to those Patriots games. Dan, uh, I, I said yesterday, to me, the first thing I thought, um, this is his last year, well, especially when I saw the money. Because I don't know how you come back and play another year after this year for less than $37.5 million. And I, he's not going to be able to get that in Tampa based on what he's playing for now. At least I, I wouldn't think so. I think it's his last year, and I don't want to be Tampa. Look, I, it, there is such a fine line. I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care what it is. There's a fine line between winning and losing. And I said this about Andrew Luck here. Andrew Luck, greatest player ever when you're down. But he was never all in enough as a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, I'm psychotic about winning guy. I want my quarterback 100% in. I, I do. I saw it here with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had a nice year here with India. He had signed to be a high school coach. I said it at the time. I don't like it. And when it came to really blank cutting time, Phillip Rivers did not get it done in the playoffs. That wasn't the reason, I'm sure. But if I'm paying Tom Brady and I'm the Tampa Bay Bucks, whatever they're paying him, 25, 50, whatever millions it is, I want that dude all in. And if you've already signed a contract for the next gig that involves 10 years, $37 million a year, human nature, just simple human nature says, I don't know if I want to get my brains beat out. I don't know if I want to get there at four in the morning to do a job when I know I got this parachute coming within six, eight months. I'm telling you, I, I'm sure he's better than that. I'm sure this isn't going to be an issue. But if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm not happy about it. I'm not expressing it to Brady because he's beyond, you know, whoever's going to express it to him. But I tell you this, I really don't. I think it's hard enough winning without, I don't know the right way to put it, without a parachute for somebody that loses. That's just the way I look at it, right or wrong. That's how I look at it. If John Morant had stayed healthy, do you think the Grizzlies would have beaten the Warriors in this series? No, I think I think John Morant's terrific, uh, Paulie. I think he's the face of the NBA, and, and it's been a breath of fresh air. But, no, I, I don't think – you know, it's one thing to beat the Warriors. And I said this all the time about LeBron. I, but it's another thing to beat the Warriors four times in two weeks. I don't think they had enough. They got a nice team. They're well coached. Uh, Jaron Jackson's terrific. You know, and as I said, John Morant, the face. But I, I don't think so. I think the Warriors are playing at a really high level. In fact, I think the Warriors and Suns is going to be one of the most fun playoff series, assuming we get there. Uh, that we're going to see. But as great as John Moran is, uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't see it. I'll tell you something else. I wrote an article today for OutKick, and part of it is why I think the NBA playoffs are better than the NCAA tournament. And one of the reasons is John Moran. Like, you watch that dude play, he finishes around the bucket uh, uh, better than mo oh, damn near anybody I've seen non-dunk division. Like most guys can go in and dunk. He dunks, he, he goes up and under, he steps around. And there isn't a college basketball player alive that's ever really done what that kid's doing. But no, I, I, Paul, I, I don't think so. I think the two teams, the Celtics, or excuse me, the uh, Suns and the Warriors are just the two best teams that are going to battle it out. Dan Dockage with us. Dan, it's just a sad story to learn of, of Adrian Payne uh, being shot and killed. Uh, you, you covered him uh, whenever he was with the Spartans uh, with the Big Ten. 
What were you remember him most for? I, the first thing I thought of was the girl that he befriended uh, during the Big Ten tournament that led uh, to a, 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 a budding relationship where she was battling cancer and, and he was uh, someone that she could look up to and he, he certainly learned a lot from her. I had not heard much of him uh, since that tournament uh, where I know he bounced around the NBA some, but you were certainly up close with him more than, more than anyone will have on. Yeah, you know, I always liked him. And the thing with Lacey, that's the little girl was real. That wasn't one of those made-for-TVs deals. He, you know, he did things like he would come over before the game and give her a big hug. I mean, she would – it was a couple games. And I don't know who got the ticket, but she was sitting literally right next to our booth. And he, and that was real. And, I, you know, I got to know Adrian. He came to our uh, – it was called an elite basketball camp when I was coaching at Indiana with Calvin Sampson and – uh, he was probably a freshman maybe out of day. I just liked him. You know, he had a great smile. He was like a thoroughbred horse, like Bambi, right, back in those days. And then he developed, and he really developed, you know, at Michigan State. I don't think it was easy for him there. I think it was kind of – Tom Izzo was tough. He was kind of a sensitive soul. But that thing with, with that young lady, Lacey, who eventually died, mm-hmm. wasn't just with the young lady. It was with the parents, the mom and the dad. That was That was unbelievable. I mean, it really was unbelievable what – he was about, and you know, when when I was covering the Big Ten in those years, he was a great interview. He always had a smile. The best interview was Draymond Green. Like Draymond Green was always the go-to, right? Like I remember covering Michigan State's Midnight Madness. Draymond, come here, we, you know, because he and and Adrian became that. And uh, I think you know, who knows what ended up happening? I've seen reports. Sounds like he was trying to do a a good thing for a friend. But, man, uh, 31 years old, a great dude, a dude that grew, I think, as a person uh, immensely, according to the people that were around him at Michigan State. And, you know, we, we, I said this on the air, and this just drives me nuts. We are so callous with people's lives, man. We're so callous uh, to just shoot people. I don't know, you know, whatever the reason is. But, God dang, man, it's, hey, I'm going to go get my gun and I'm going to shoot you. No, I'm going to go get my gun. It's just crazy to me. And it's heartbreaking when you see, you know, somebody like Adrian so young uh, die so so needlessly. Dan Dockich has been our guest. Well said there, Dan. Uh, we appreciate you, man, always coming on weekly with us. We look forward to Don't At Me uh, mornings here across the Outkick Network. Uh, and hopefully, I, I don't know if it's happened yet, but I, I saw on Twitter where, um, you know, you're, you're asking for some respect, and deservedly so, from some Colts bloggers there in India. I don't know if you're getting that or, on social media or not. Or if I still... don't want their respect. Oh. oh. I don't want anybody's. I, I don't want anybody's. You know, for five years, this is my daily rant with you guys, for five years the Colts have been mediocre, <laughs> and until they get good, I'm staying on their backside, baby. <laughs> That's why you've got them winning the division, baby. <laughs> you hate them, yes, sir. but you love them. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Two, hey, I two, got two sides of that mouth, I Dan. see cracks. Two sides of that mouth. I see cracks in Tennessee. <laughs> I see cracks. Oh, it's certainly in Jacksonville and Houston. So Darius I mean, Leonard loves football all of a sudden. He can hate the moves, and they can still back their way into an AFC South division championship is what Dan's saying. Uh, yeah. Darius Leonard, we got we to gotta have a check every week to see if he still likes football. What the <laughs> heck? What is that? Hey, he can hate football. He's still going to get an interception or a fumble recovery every game. I'll take that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. All right. Yes. Hey, have a great week, man, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be watching tomorrow morning. See you, Chief.
Thanks, guys. Thank you. Dan Dockich. Don't at him. Don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings across the Outkick Network. Coming up, paying for the jersey number. Kayvon Thibodeau's recently done this. 50 large for number five. We discuss the meaning behind the number and how every year there's a story like this where payers are willing to, uh, players are willing to pay and pony up for the number on their jersey. All that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up in nine minutes, our most underrated NFL storyline of the offseason, plus the charismatic quarterbacks, and a discussion about some players, a handful of them, going into year number two with significant upgrades around them. Not all of them quarterbacks. We'll, we'll discuss that in the third hour of today's show. Outkick 360 rolls on. Kayvon Thibodeau has paid 50000 in a donation to charity um, in exchange for jersey number five. He wanted number five, which he wore to Oregon. Um, I'm assuming he did this in high school too. I've seen videos of him and I know it's a single digit number, um, but he wanted five. He paid $50,000 for it and what it will end up being a tax write-off of some sort. Uh, but nonetheless, players generally, if they are dead set on a number, they pony up before you have to declare that through the NFL and all the merchandise aspects of this. Because what I have seen recently, I think there was a player for the 49ers, Paul, who wanted to change his number whenever they recently lifted the restrictions on positional numbers. Where, you know, Single like, digits. Yeah, you can get whatever play. number you wanted, really. And the NFL was going to charge that player, and I can't remember who it was. It was a running back. was going to charge that player uh, a, a hefty fee in order to do it. So he waited a year and then did it whenever he could claim that jersey number without paying the penalty. So – they're willing to pay the player-to-player player exchange for it coming to the league because they feel like from a marketing aspect, if they can associate their name and number together long-term, they can make some money off the merch. Well, Jabril Peppers, <clears throat> last year when he landed with the Giants, wanted five from Graham Gano and said the asking price was too high. Now, hmm. I don't know if Gano and, – and so Gano took fifty thousand dollars as a donation to I think it's a dog related it charity, yeah. um, but I, you know from Peppers who's not as lucrative as uh, doesn't have as lucrative a deal incoming as as Thibodeau, um, I, I would think you know it was twenty five asking price too high. I don't know. Would he have done it for twenty five to charity? Or do you feel more pressure to give it to a top uh, number one draft pick as opposed to a free agent coming in? I don't know. I expected a bigger number. When I saw the Jabril Peppers, the asking price was too high thing, then when I saw that Thibodeau got it, when I got into that story, I was surprised at 50. It felt low to me. Gano, uh, he's pretty set on that number, too, because he, he, he told reporters, he's like, man, 
I knew whenever he was mocked to the Giants that uh, I was going to be asked to give up my number to him because he, he, he knew that Thibodeau wore number five at Oregon. Well, it's nice that the team left some time there for him to negotiate before yeah. it just took it and gave it to him because ultimately he probably would have taken it and gave it to him, right? So he joked, uh, Thibodeau joked that Gano was asking for 250000 <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he goes, no, I just love messing with you guys. It's actually fifty. He was just very open and honest That's about it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. Um, but it's going to Puppies Behind Bars, an organization that provides service dogs for wounded war vets and first responders and also provides uh, explosive detection canines for law enforcement. So – uh, what this did, Gano is brilliant with this because it got the word out about the charity that he's backing. Thibodeau gets a tax write-off for this, and the you know this this charity gets a lot of publicity based off the fifty thousand dollar price tag. Do we know what Gano is? Uh, what wearing? number he's asked for, asking for now? I don't know. I can't say Gano without hearing John Sterling in my head with a Robinson Cano home run call. <laughs> Gano, Cano, don't you know? don't you know? I think, I think he's, uh, according to the website, Gano is number nine. So That's a better number. He, That's my number. Yeah. That, that's what, what were you? Said. I'm not. I was number three. I was number three. But I wouldn't be spending 50 large to get number three back if it wasn't available. Me Just me. Hey, uh, coming up, headlines of the day, and we discuss... The most underrated NFL storyline this offseason. We each give an answer next on Outkick 360.